Hey, 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 welcome back to Spilling the GNT podcast, a new segment called Gin and Topics. You're here with Bolo. And Dr. Tom. Now we're here to give you the opinion you never really asked for. But we're giving it anyway. That's right. Now Bolo has a performer. Whoop, whoop. And Dr. Tom's a psychiatrist. Hmm. And we're here to give you our professional, professional, professional opinion on whatever we want. Whatever we whatever want. We want. Are you ready to get into it? <laughs> now you would have heard a little remix, a little remix there in the beginning where we're talking about Gin and Topics. Now what is that? It's basically... Basically, yeah. Basically, it's that little. Did you see what I did there? Basically, yeah. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so British. It's, it's what we used to do anyway. <laughs> it's basically um, a bridge. Like, when we're not going to be doing a specific review of an episode, because at the moment there's nothing for us to kind of review, we like to review on the go, on yeah. the fly. Yeah, OTF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to do it on the OTF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We like mm-hmm. to podcast on the fly. Now, what, what that means is, for example, when the episode comes out, we don't watch it, and then we, we play it, and then we podcast as we are watching. <laughs> that way you get fast updates. That way you get exactly what's on our mind. Live, like, live reactions, raw emotions, yep. and real feelings. It. And it's not like, you know when you hear someone's opinion, but their opinion's formed of someone else's opinion uh-huh. that they heard and they liked, and then they kind of regurgitate that as their own opinion. That's not us. That's, that's just not us. That's not us. No. You'll find that our podcast, especially for Drag Race, is one of the first episode review ones that come out immediately we pride ourselves on that so if you heard opinions they're probably ours through mm-hmm. someone else's so uh, there it is there you, we go you heard it here first it's well known that so, everybody throughout the drag race community bases their opinions on our opinions <laughs> so basically gin and <laughs> topics is basically where we just have a drink uh-huh. tom what are you drinking at the moment i'm having a lovely uh new zealand sauvignon blanc Ah, mm. I'm having a, I know it's called gin and topics, but I'm having a uh, double, double vodka, Red Bull, <laughs> sugar free. And I'm also, I also have on my left here a, a Savion Blanc. Yeah. Wine. You know, it's good to mix drinks. <laughs> I had an espresso <laughs> martini earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she's into it. It's not even like, no, it's pretty late. It is actually, it's getting dark. Yeah. Like. I know. I swapped myself. Thank you. So, but. <laughs> Do you want to police anyone else here? <laughs> so we're just going to talk about whatever we want. Usually it's going to be focused around drag. Sometimes it's not, but you're lucky. Today it is going to be focused on mm. drag. So we're just going to have a drink and chat. Now, this the first thing I want to talk to you about is did you see that little that drama going on about apparently Brooklyn Heights being mm-hmm. anti-vax? Did you see that stupidity? So, I, I'm already giving you telling you how I feel about it. So yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll tell you what it is. It was a yeah. tweet. So Brooklyn Heights tweeted, who else is totally convinced a vaccine is going to turn us all into zombies? And okay. apparently there's been a whole lot of backlash there. Now, Tom, give me your thoughts. Well, um, I first spotted well, this. Well, my thoughts are not joking. <laughs> <laughs> spotted this when Jake Yonce did a video about some recent drug controversies. Um, just to give a little bit of credit there, how it came to my attention. So... My opinion is, is the backlash is completely moronic. <laughs> That's my immediate thought. So, um, Brooklyn Heights, obviously, she you quoted the joke there. Something that is very, very clearly a joke. Um, I mean, okay, I can see it from the standpoint that, okay, coronavirus is very, very serious. Many, many people have, have died around the world from coronavirus. And so I can see it from a kind of sensitivity point of view. Having said that, the reactions underneath were not to do with that. They were to do with people accusing Brooklyn of being an anti-vaxxer and that she should stop because obviously drag queens are the go-to people for healthcare advice (laughs) around the world. Because Dr. Brooklyn Heights has a medical uh, background. Did you... 
You probably went to school there, Tom. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I've seen her at conferences, you know, uh, we've chatted. VIP, hey! Yeah, she's really, really high up in the kind of pathology, immunology kind of field. Yeah. I just... Where, why are we starting to take whatever drag queens say as, A, what you already said, medical advice, but B, is seriously... It, in, it, any, in any in any kind of way, like I think we forget that they're drag queen, that they're nighttime yes. performers, that they are controversial beings. I just don't understand how. Well, it all comes down to the commercialization, yeah. of drag. Should We're, I don't think. I mean, they are being commercialized, and I think that. Things like this is evidence of it. Like, I just feel like I'm not woke enough. Every time I see um, a drag you're asleep. Queen, you ain't yeah. woke. You asleep, girl. Yeah, <laughs> hibernating. I just, I just feel like I'm, so, I'm so unwoke. Like every time someone comes for someone for saying something like that, like it's, they're just a drag queen. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to know the demographics of who is actually coming for drag queens. It's in this teens, situation. it's those young little woke teenage, the teenage brigade with their the keyboard. What God, they must have biceps on their fingertips. <laughs> I swear to God, they must be like. <laughs> I think it's it's so easy to be a keyboard warrior, isn't it? It's so easy to virtue signal in situations like this and, and paint yourself as the most, uh, you know, virtuous, uh, saintly mm. person who just... I live life correctly. Exactly. Um, you don't know who I am. You don't need to know who I am, but I know what you said. I'm, I'm going to tell you what you said, and it's wrong. And I never express an opinion that's in any way problematic or, <laughs> you know, open to debate, really. Purity. I am that. It says <laughs> I. Pure. I, I wear a purity ring, and I am pure. I am an angel. Um, but, like, it's, it's, it's so easy, isn't it? Because I, th- I think there are numerous factors at play here. People do not have to deal with direct consequences of expressing their opinion over social media. You can type whatever you want. You can troll in whatever way you want. You can virtue signal in whatever way you want. And the worst consequence is that somebody will clap back with a comment. You don't. People do not speak this way to each other face to face. People do not react this way. Brooklyn, if she'd been in a place of work and she'd made that joke or among her friends, they would have been like, ha, 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 kiki, kiki, kiki. Um, and nobody would have been like, Brooklyn, actually, hang on a second, are you an anti-vaxxer? <laughs> actually. Obviously, before you just- move on there, before you move on to your next act, Brooklyn, hi, that's me, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just watching your performance. I just wanted to ask you, um, can you just clarify that? Did yeah. You, are you actually promoting anti-vaxxing? Brooklyn, do you want children worldwide to die yeah. of TB and measles? Are you pro, are you pro-zombies? <laughs> Are you are you that's, pro zombies? The, I feel so like you're pro zombies, and I really feel like you don't you don't really give a, a damn about the living because you're just <laughs> you're pro zombie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to know what you're on about. Please, clarify. you want to live in a full on Resident Evil reality, that's and sad. I'm not here for it. I'm sorry, Brooklyn. Like, um, you really offended me when you talk about zombies because my grandmother um, possibly became one. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like you're kind of attacking her. So I want to hear your stance on zombies. That's, that's ridiculous, but that's that's exactly what it is. And I think these people who are so woke create drama out of nothing. And that's them saying, this is how I feel about it. So this is how you should feel and think about it. And if you don't, what do they do? They do the Karen. Cancel. Cancel. I, I got to say. What's your favorite letter C? For what? Cancel. I'm firmly of the opinion that anybody who is... Okay, so there are obviously plenty of situations where people need to be called out online and there are certain 
obviously there are plenty of attitudes and trains of thought that need to be combated and sometimes that occurs online this kind of thing this is garbage mama it's like it's it's just a very very deliberate attempt for somebody to virtue signal and appear more woke more virtuous and I've got to say, people who do that kind of thing really aren't the most virtuous people. If you've got to portray yourself that way in a in an online public forum, then you're concealing something, I think. I think you're really trying to direct attention away from your genuine behavior. I, I struggle to believe that people who do this are genuinely whiter than white, you know, angelic people. Why gotta be white? Why gotta be white? Um, so... And also, like, the joke was so obviously, like, absurdist. And you can't even call it dark humour because it was really wasn't that dark. It was like a, I think it was like a, a runaway kind of like, you know, you just type something yeah. and you're like, ha-ha. And then, and then someone, it's like you, it's like someone going on Twitter going, oh, I love apples. And then someone coming, what do you have against oranges? Why do you hate, why do you hate pineapples? No, you are so, why, what is it? And and then they make, they make something out of nothing. It's like, you can't even have an opinion these days, especially, especially now if you're in like, if you're a celebrity or if you're a drag queen, like everything is policed. And I think at the end of the day, we need to remember that they're drag queens. And Brooklyn has been, uh, part of the drag scene for many years. She's not a new. She's not a baby queen. No. She, um. She's a pageant winner. She's a nightlife entertainer. Continental winner. Yes. So Brooklyn has been part of the drag scene. Drag scene for a long period of time. I think it's fair to say we're not Brooklyn stands by any means. You know, we love Brooklyn and we've loved what she's put out into the show. But we we're not like stands of hers. We don't like defenders of the hilt. But like in this situation, she's. She's making a slightly, and I mean, slightly off-color joke. One thing I want, if I if I had Brooklyn on speed dial, I would have just told her, just don't reply, because when you don't when let you, them get to your when love, you re, when you start to reply to people, especially when you make like a. A, a, come on, a harmless tweet like that. When you start to reply, you kind of give power to the people and their uh, and what they're saying. You, mm-hmm. you kind of validate their anti-tweet. Because you're saying, oh, like, yeah, like she's trying to apologize and say, it's a joke. We know what's a joke. You know what's a joke. Leave it. Because at the end of the day, they're fighting with themselves. Yeah. But the minute you reply, then they're like, oh, that they find some kind of strength in there. And then they come back harder. Didn't Tati- Just leave it. Tatiana offered some vague support or like joined in the joke. And so when she got attacked as she, well. She retweeted so, oh, so it. Tatiana, are you an anti-vaxxer? Um, just to clarify and then they go through all of her friends on her friends list and then they message them privately hi I saw that you're friends with Teti Um, (laughs) I just want to ask you are you pro are you also an anti-vaxxer yeah (laughs) do you You, believe in zombies are you pro pro zombie yeah (laughs) just to clarify obviously genuine anti-vax sentiment is massively damaging and is I, I, I consider to be tantamount to child abuse really promoting the idea that children should not be properly vaccinated mm. is a recipe for thousands and millions of children around the world suffering. Just to touch on something serious for a moment, we've spoken about it, haven't we? The situation in Samoa when um, oh, an- yes. anti-vax sentiments were promoted and thousands of children contracted measles yes. and the associated neurological complications and death rate that goes along with that. It's absolutely devastating and appalling. So that's a genuine, very real issue. Having said that, this is a drag queen. Yeah, I mean, not promoting anti-vax don't, sentiments. Don't joke about that. 
don't joke about don't that. Don't joke about don't that. Don't joke about that. Um, and again, it comes back to that that idea that like, um, it's only because they've been pushed into the mainstream. And these these girls have chosen the opportunity to go into the mainstream. Brooklyn went into season eleven of Drag Race. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, very. She sh- and she's a savvy, intelligent person. She knew what the consequences and how how her status would be elevated and her voice would be elevated yeah. from that. Um, having said that, you know, should she have to tailor herself to this degree? No. No. Let me tell you a story about flats. <laughs> no. Let me tell you a, a story about censoring dark humor. No. Yeah. No. Um, where is Robbie Turner? Where? Oh, well, Robbie had her own controversy, didn't she? So there's that whole thing with the Uber driver. I've uh, never been to Uber driver. No, but Robbie had that whole weird story where she said yeah. she'd been in a car crash with an Uber driver. And then she died. did a shiri pie and then she just completely went I, silent. I genuinely wonder if she's quit drag, actually, because I think I looked at her Instagram not long ago and it was a very old post. Yeah? Yeah. That's it. Well, the thing is, the, and I say fans with... Um, quotes mm-hmm. the fans just come at them so hard when they yeah when they do something that's not um woke.com you know and, what I mean? and also when if they... you associate yourself with somebody who has met this kind of criticism as well so maybe that brings us on to our next yeah, i just want to say that the mm. only kind of drag queens that are allowed to be those those archaic <laughs> okay sorry the, the only drag queens who are allowed to be dark are ones who haven't been on dragway dragways <laughs> and dragways you want to put down that vodka red ball <laughs> uh, sorry the only the only drag queens that are allowed to have this kind of dark humor and get away with it is the drag queens who haven't yet made it onto drag race because mm-hmm. those are the ones who don't have that fandom and those are the ones who aren't known for the commercialized sensitized kind of drag so i guess when you do go on drag race you have to understand that you're now becoming a different kind of drag queen something you have yeah. to start policing yourself and and that's something that you have to accept I, I, I feel they need to know they need to understand that if you're going to go into drag race you're no longer allowed to to have that dark humor or be mm-hmm. as controversial anymore you can't have that because once you do go on drag race you, it changes Basic- everything you say has to change and also then they go back and start digging up your past and say yeah. oh look oh, 20 years ago um, you put on a bronzer I think that's blackface why are you racist mm-hmm. why are you racist and then, <laughs> and then that becomes a thing that's what they do so I guess some of the onus has to go to the girls. And actually, something's just clicked in my head because it's been a perennial kind of thought of like, why don't we have like amazing veteran queens like Lady Bunny, Sherry Vine, Coco Peru, um, Jackie Beat, Peaches Christ going on Drag Race. And that's the reason they don't want to be policed. No. These are queens who've come from a strong tradition of pushing boundaries being offensive at times, but utilizing that if they're if they're smart and not just you know, no, you know these are smart, funny queens, and they 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 want to utilize humor to make people think and to push boundaries and not to endorse anything like racism, transphobia, but to sometimes use off color humor, which. If somebody came into it with a lack of knowledge of what drag queens represent, they could see it as endorsing all those terrible things like transphobia and racism. But really what they're trying to do is ironically draw attention. 
Okay. Two, I, I see that as a function of humor. Humor, you know, if you looked at it in a in a in a really um, banal way, you could say, "Oh my gosh, you're just making a racist and transphobic joke." But really, what they're trying to do is draw attention to the absurdity of being racist or transphobic, because of course those things are absurd. Yeah. As I was talking about, like, do you remember that tweet about Alona Verley? Mm-hmm. How Alona Verley put up that tweet not long ago. Then she, this is what she wrote: "Quote, yeah. thinking about quitting drag, I feel like such a joke lately. I thought getting on Drag Race was going to solve all my problems, but frankly, it's just made them all worse. My confidence lately is at a solid zero, and I'm just getting my feelings hurt left and right. I've always heard, don't meet your go- your idols. So I guess my version of that would have to be, don't actually achieve your dream." Mm-hmm. Now let's just discuss this. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Queens who go on to drag race mm. have to accept. Like obviously this has come about because of some way that she's been received and the way that people are talking about her and yeah. her run on Canada's drag race. Queens need to accept that when you go on to drag race now, especially, you need to accept that part of what comes is the, the, the fandom judging you and policing you and telling you right and wrong and attacking you. You're yeah. putting it's not just the the panel. It's not just the panel at the Maxi Challenge. The, uh, yeah. It goes much beyond there. And then you see, and then I see tweets like this. Now, there's part of me that read that tweet going, really? What do you I, I really want to quote um, Manila Luzon. What do you mean? You're like, you, you already done this, girl. <laughs> like, you've already done this. What do you mean you don't, you don't, you, you didn't expect this? Change your costume. Change it around. Like, so, i like, yeah, yeah, I understand that it's unfair, but like, you. No, you. This is Canada's Drag Race season one. This came after plenty all stars. 11, 11, 11 of hmm. um, RuPaul's Drag Race in America. We got Thailand. We got the UK already done. You, why are you? T- why are you so surprised? And I, how are you not? I guess my take on it is that um, I, Lona, I, I recall on Drag Race Canada, I found a very likable she's a very heart on your sleeve kind of character and she struck me as quite emotionally complex and she wasn't afraid to stand up for herself when she felt like somebody really wasn't being kind of like woke or sensitive enough you know she was very very good at standing up for herself well that's my feelings okay that's my feelings and how Mm -hmm. dare you tell me how to feel how dare you invalidate me Um, so we know that Ilona is a, a sensitive and emotionally complex person, you know, based on our <laughs> heavily edited version of her reality. Um, but I think that's kind of borne out on her Twitter, on her Instagram. So I think it probably comes down to, um, A, the fandom is vicious and it shouldn't be that way. And that is a problem. But B, you need to be emotionally equipped to a certain degree to put yourself in the public eye isn't that why there's a psychology kind of screening they do. They, they have, a, they have a psych screening of, yeah but it's, there's a psych screening where they have to pass that so how did she get passed well I, you know i think she's a highly highly functioning smart intelligent person um, who just happens to be a bit emotionally complex doesn't mean that she's sort of, you know, I, I'm in no way implying that she's in any way kind of, you know, uh, mentally unwell or kind of damaged in any way. In, in no way am I implying that. She is just quite an emotionally complex person and she wears a heart on her sleeve. It's, I mean, they're in a hard role. They're not allowed to be sad. They're not allowed to be like her 
tweet is like something you're not you don't expect to come from a, a drag queen but I, then you're also not allowed to react to the vicious fandom and you're mm. supposed to always have this kind of positive like everything's okay, okay and i'm mm. inspiring you but then you're getting all of this heat back and the minute you show some kind of weakness or anger you start when you start to react to the backlash then they come back even more it must and be it, incredibly hard because w- yeah because I'm, i think you, you, you know many people's tendency really is to pick the bad bits out like it, there's that bias that cognitive bias so picking the bad bits out from all the compliments mm. and letting the bad bits affect you more we're not in that situation even though we've got you know thousands of fans around the world we're not in <laughs> quite in that situation we where, could easily fall into this kind of pool we here could, but we, we, we won't could. we shan't we, we don't <laughs> um you know and for for somebody like Ilona and the other thing about Ilona I think is that her drag I think is mixed in with her sense of identity and gender identity because let's not forget that she went into the show identifying as two-spirit and something i hope i don't sound too ignorant now but something equivalent sort of gender non-binary and then she has since come out as a trans woman hasn't she so she now she identifies and is um going to live her truth as a woman so i wonder if criticism of her her drag is felt more acutely because it's a criticism of her as a person and her identity and she's so like beautiful and creative and her her image is so gorgeous what do you have to say to alona i would say based on that i would say alona i I hope you're happy and living your truth because that's the main thing and if you need to take a step back from social media to maintain your mental health do that um i think the world would be a worse place if you were to withdraw your creativity um from the world because you're clearly an amazingly creative visually um astounding person um so please if you need to take a break from social media do that and please don't let it affect your um expression of yourself and your art that's what i would say to her although you know, if it was a therapy situation, I would phrase that as more of a, a question, really. I'd phrase it more of a question. I'd be like, Ilona, do you really want this criticism to um, impact upon your expression of yourself and your truth? I'd ask we, that question. And it's up to her to ponder that yeah. and what's best for her mental health. Ilona, we will invoice you later. Um, (laughs) you're welcome i think whatever she needs to do for her happiness do it alona but mm. we love you now we all know like we've been podcasting for over a year now and we started with drag race uk we are the biggest fans i mean i'm the biggest fan of the vivian i'm the biggest fan of divina the campo those two are the ones who i've loved now this seems to be an ongoing kind of like digs at each other and it, and it seems to come a lot from Davina. now did mm. you see the post recently kind of where um, i think the Davina um put up on twitter a picture of herself with the vivian but on top of the there was, it was a side-by-side picture of the vivian and the vena mm-hmm. and on top of the vivian's picture it was the caption who won the electoral college and then on top of the picture of the vena it said who won the popular vote mm-hmm. so um and then that was retweeted by the vivian and she was like or oh, you could have won <laughs> <laughs> Or you could have won. So basically, um, Davina's saying that she won the popular vote and the everyone in the drag race um, production team chose 
the Vivian, but the the real winner should have been her because the people like her and she should have won that. And it's the- essentially a reference to the not the election we just had, the one before, really, isn't it? Where Trump won the election, but Hillary had the popular vote. Yep. So, um, and I just want to kind of go into that because these are some of our favorite queens, and mm-hmm. we are we're both from the UK. I can yes. say that now. I'm here illegally. Visa decline. Who? They cannot so, know where your location yeah. is. So, so please, please keep it on the down low, everyone. Mm. Thank you very much. Uh, we have the Vivian, who was a Scouse queen, who was the Scouse queen, and we met her before outside mm-hmm. of the home and bargains. We did, and we loved, and she was so kind and so gracious, amazing. And obviously, I, I've seen her on the Scouse scene for years, actually. Yeah. Before me and Superstar booed wow. while the lights. We get it. We get it. We get, we get it. it. And then Davina De Campo was just a national drag treasure. She's she probably is one of the most popular drag queens walking in to drag who race who i'd also UK. seen live you've um, well hosting the likes of heels of hell and that sort of thing in manchester mm-hmm. so then um there seems to be a kind of drama going on between them two what's what's happening tom well why can't davina just let it go it's, it's, what's happening there like it's been a it's been a, a year and a bit now mm-hmm. and there seems to be this isn't the first time that this dig's been done <laughs> there's been an interview earlier this year yeah. where the vivian was like i mean there's she said that there's constant little digs that she hears from davina about her mm-hmm. winning saying she you know in order to win you have to smash their cat their kneecaps in in order to win the show <laughs> um it's which is kind of like passive. It's very passive aggressive. It's very passive. <laughs> um, I guess that that's how I describe it, really. I mean, let's think back. Let's think back to Drag Race UK. And Vivian and Davina both entered the room as powerhouses, really, didn't they? It was an amazing cast, but I think they represented multi-talented consummate drag performers, didn't they? But by the same token, they both came from slightly different places. Like Davina had this sort of veteran status, having worked for years and done a lot of stuff on TV and having that slightly old school drag sensibility. Whereas Vivian somewhat had that, but kind of like took it as an inspiration and turned into something a bit newer and had a bit of a fresher feel about her. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah. Because Viv can act she's funny she can sing and Davina's exactly the same they they're bo- they were both the powerhouses of the competition not to discredit any of the performers but they seem like the more full package they remind me of like two well-known leads mm. for example if it was a musical it's like two um two two amazing singers mm-hmm. um two powerhouses who get cast in the same show mm-hmm. who have never met each other but they were very very weary of each other yeah. from the get-go we described them as like lionesses circling yeah, didn't we exactly yeah, yeah. but that's how it felt to me it felt like two amazing performers um from the uk who finally got cast into that that one west end show <laughs> they both got cast into that show uh-huh. and then they're like they're trying to like who who was better and they never really like engaged they really just mm-hmm. circled around they each did. other didn't they and and it felt like that the whole way through it was very very kind of obvious from the get-go that mm-hmm. these two it was going to come down to them too yeah, yeah can we agree that I it think was so. Just from the from the entrance alone, the Vivian won. 
like when she <sighs> walked in, it was you know when Envy Peru walked in Drag yeah. Race Holland, how she walked in and she made a statement that with just her look, like jumpsuit. She, I swear it was like watch. It was like a, an actual cat walk. It was it was front seats. I felt like Anna Wintour, and I was watching <laughs> the first model walk down a a, a Versace. Oh, she's beautiful. That's what I felt. And the same was when I saw the Vivian walk into the the workroom. I, mm-hmm. I was blown away i was yeah. like oh my gosh she's she's a top she's a winner absolutely she's dumb top <laughs> she's, um, she's a dumb top she's, she's got- gonna dumb top this competition <laughs> um, but um my my thoughts about it are like i feel like i mean even davina's opening salvo was like you know i sing in five languages and four and a half octaves doing the splits and i yes, dance I didn't, and I, dance, I act i i'm working on the cure for um coronavirus <laughs> i led the black lives matter movement even neither the, um, neither of those things has happened yet yeah, i'm working on it i conquered cancer and <laughs> hiv i'm i'm that bitch <laughs> that, that was your intro was it that an intro it was very that it was very that and i think davina went in there thinking like this competition is mine i deserve it for all the hard work i've put in over the years and the hard work i'm going to put in during this competition and she had this sense of being a perfectionist and quite a serious person but wrapping it in a veneer of humor that was the sense that i got from davina wonderful performer and obviously amazing viv had a bit more of a kind of like armor plated feel about her she kind of like went in there and was like this is mine. And I think Davina sensed that. And also I think Davina saw a bit of like, well, Viv's come in there and she's won the drag ambassador. Do you remember the drag ambassador co- competition? She'd already won that Viv. And she'd had a guest spot on Drag Race USA when she was, there was an episode when she was in the audience for a comedy challenge or something. And then there's like a few YouTube bits about her walking the runway. And she had those connections with the show already. And I wonder if Davina felt undermined. You're very right when you say the Vivian's armor plated. You know, mm. um, who was it? Is it who's the who's that superhero? The, the lady, one, not Wonder Woman. Is it Wonder Woman? Wonder Woman. The Amaz- she's the Amazonian queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that song? You what were was her? It wasn't. Who was the one that did that? Oh my gosh! You remember during the first lockdown? Yeah, it was this lady, and she sung the she sung that song. Think of all the people. Na 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 na. You have lost me. Na, you have lost me, darling. I really hope one of our viewers knows what you're thinking about. Welcome to the segment. Guess that song. What we're going to do is we're going to hum a tune and you're going to send in your thoughts for what song you thought it was. But like, I think like, I think my sense was Davina saw Viv as a little bit of an upstart without the same legacy as her. And I think, you know, there was that, that, amazing confrontation between two of them where we was like, all I've seen for the past 10 years is a red wig and a silver dress. And what did Davina say? Because red, red, red hair and a silver dress. Sorry, I'm thinking about that quote, red hair and a silver dress. You must be a Davina. <laughs> you, you must, must be, be a the camper. Oh. Um, I think that is what she said. I don't actually. think. I don't think. Well, who else do you know sings in six and a half octaves? Who else do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that she regurgitated. Yeah, the so I think I think there's a rivalry between the two girls. And I think we've seen my impression of it. And Viv, as an avid listener, please get in touch to let us know your opinion. Um, 
uh, I think they've seen their ups and downs as many drag sisters do. I think they probably at their hearts love and respect each other. But I think a little bit of passive aggression comes through with Davina when she's asked about Viv yeah. in interviews. Because she called her like cut through like kneecap smasher, didn't she? Yeah. And she was very like, well, that's why I didn't win because I was a, I wasn't a cutthroat kneecap smasher. And then Viv was offended and very like. It was on my Grindr profile. Hi, I'm single. I'm a cutthroat <laughs> kneecap. Yeah. You would have got a lot of attention I with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> The thing is, if I put it the other way around, I personally don't think the Vivian would have... If Davina won, I don't think the Vivian would be this salty, in all seriousness. Mm. I think she would have been okay with it. So there is... You're right, there must be a sense of entitlement Mm -hmm. that I've done so much for drag in the UK. I should be the first winner of Drag Race UK because of what I have contributed. Mm -hmm. I've been on TV. I've done this. I'm I'm well known. I I educate. Like I am a good example of what a drag race should be Mm -hmm. and therefore I should have the first title. I think that there was that deservedness that she had yeah and that's why she feels a bit robbed i think so i think so i think that's davina's perception and because because she's a driven perfectionistic person with this veneer of humor rather than it coming out as directness it comes out as passive aggression and Mm. it comes out as 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 wrapped up in humor um so i'm sure these girls will be fine Drag queens are sisters. They fight. They make up. And if they're not fine, that's fine as well. I'm sure they're both doing great without each other. Mm-hmm. Um, what I will say is that Davina's on track to an All-Stars appearance at some time in the future. They are going to do what they did to Chad Michaels. They're going to create an mm-hmm. All-Stars just for you, Davina. I, I, I think she was such a stunning runner-up. And, she, and it, it will be made for her... And she'll win it fairly because and she's amazing. When we have her all winners season, of course, Viv is going to win that. So we're going to have international UK I drag superstars. I can't wait to see the Vivian on and all stars with the actual she's such a from. full package she's so polished and she's got such a great sense of style. But also like her snatch game was a masterclass. Her Trump and that was one of three characters that I'm certain she would have done to a massively high standard. Had she done Scylla or Kim Woodburn, it would have been equally stunning. She can do Kim Woodburn on the All-Stars. There. Please. Done. And Viv, by by please. then, by then, everyone would know Kim Woodburn because they would have kind of Googled it from watching... Yeah. Googled it from watching... Uh, and if anybody listening has not Googled Kim Woodburn, please go on YouTube. Kim Woodburn, like Celebrity Big Brother, that's all you need to know. I mean, the theme for today's Gin and Topics is social media, isn't it? Kind well, of the, is, the, the, yeah. kind of, the kind of thing that's going on there. Now, we've talked about Florence Delee before. Now, Fro- right. Florence Delee is a fashion designer. Yes. He, designed a lot, he designs a lot of the Queen's looks. A mm-hmm. lot of them, he's very, very well known. He designed a lot of Sherry Pies. Amazing looks I think as well. that's when she treats Florence Delee, however they identify, that's however when they achieved prominence, wasn't it? Because Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of a backlash because obviously Sherry was edited out of season 12 and a lot of Florence's looks and the work that Florence put in suffered as a comparison. It didn't feel very fair that they were associated with Sherry's crimes. Mm. That's fair to say, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. So the reason I'm bringing up Florence Lee is that he had a kind of Twitter Mm. rant 
Oh, no, Instagram runs, and I think you'd be on his side here. He kind of was really angry that Serajin was mm. sent home instead of the gorgeous Abby OMG. Remember, we had the podcast, and I did talk. I said it rightfully, mm. and I'm a big Abby OMG stan. You're a huge Serajin stan. Yeah. So um, even though I wasn't a big Serajin Zan, and Tom was, I even I said that Abby did not deserve to stay on that lip sync. Mm-hmm. Abby should have been sent home. Um, she didn't do enough to be at the bottom for the third time. Mm-hmm. And last, that she she didn't breathe fire. We said her. <laughs> she didn't bring someone back from the dead. She didn't kill zombies because she, she an- t- she's actually anti zombies. Did you know that? <laughs> she's um zombie. Cancel her. Zombie, Cancel zombie. her. Didn't you only realise recently that's what she was singing? Yes. <laughs> Before, yes, because you were singing it at the time. And I, and I was like, what are the words? He's a zombie. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was just sounds. And for, like the song is literally called Zombie by the Cranberries. I thought it was just like, I thought it was just someone going, oh, hey, oh, hey. Like yodeling. Like, especially what was it? There's a song that, go on, go on, come on, leave, leave me. me breathless. I, I thought that's it, the cause. I, I thought, I didn't know. I, th- I thought it was just leave me breathless. And before that, she was just going, oh, uh, oh, uh, come on, leave. <laughs> and then someone was like, Polo, what are I you I think doing? you've got particular difficulty um, understanding Irish singers, clearly. Because like, the cores, the cranberries, they're all Irish. Really? I thought it was just yeah. sounds. They're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, it's a, he's just, oh, uh, oh, uh. and they're like, no, it's go, uh, go, uh, come on, leave me. I was like, is it well? I, 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 th- I think Breathless is less of a crime than Zombie, because that's the name of the song. <laughs> Anyway, back to what anyway. I was sa- back to what I was saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's serious, uh, serious, so serious. There was a big. I uh, hit a big run, and I'll read kind of a part of what he said. He said, guang, guang, guang. "I just lost all respect for Drag Race Holland for how they just sent home Citizen. Mm. She has dominated this show, and you sent her home over over a cookie cutter skinny queen in her third week in the bottom. Stop acting like y'all celebrate all drag and then save a rainbow Amazon queen three weeks in a row." In a woe. No, what's going on with it's your that, ass? It's, it's that vodka. <laughs> it's, it's fucking disgusting and transparent. It's clear the host wants to fuck this girl. And that's why she will stay on. I never get this angry, but I am tired of skinny little basic queens getting to do whatever the if they want and get celebrated by the masses for being born five foot four and cute. Change the name of the competition if that's what you're searching for. Call it RuPaul's Naturally Attractive Size 2 Person That Is Most Fuckable. Same goes for Jimbo the Drag Queen on Canada's Drag Race. Okay, so there's there's quite a lot to unpack there, I think. And I think I think to begin with, I'd like I, I would actually like to condemn some of the language that Florence used there. I think some of the stuff in terms of like calling Abby OMG, basic and skinny and drawing attention to her physique. And also, I don't really like the use of the phrase Rainbow Amazon Queen there either. Yeah. I I think that's very, very focused on her heritage, her ethnicity, and that kind of thing. I don't think that's called for at all, and I think that's to be condemned. Yeah. Florence, you better watch out, okay? Because I I really like Abby. (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Having said that, I do think that wrapped in that regrettable use of language, there is an important message about perhaps some of the things that Drag Race favours. I think like speculating about who Fred, who we love, wants to fuck is, sorry, please bleep that, um, is, um, is I, I don't think that's called for, but clearly Florence was angry. Now, Florence is a very talented designer who creates 
outfit that could suit any queen. Obviously, most prominent for her collaborations with Sherry Pie, Sherry being a bigger girl. But also many other queens as well. Yeah. Do you have anybody off the top of your head? I want to say some of Britta's looks. Yeah, Some of Britta's looks as well. So New York-based, perhaps. Yeah, um, I was going to say, who was the one who wore green? I wore green because it's your favourite colour. Oh. Uh, her, Alexis her, Michelle. Alexis Michelle. I love Alexis Florence Michelle. Florence Lee has done several, several drag queens. Yeah. We just came um, by the name when we were looking into the outfits on season 12. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. When we were wondering who made I, these amazing dresses. I don't think she dresses. was even, like you say, Sherry and Britta, multiple queens on season 12 had outfits by Florence. Having said that, you know... Is, is there a thing about keeping conventionally attractive people in the competition? What yes, do you think? We have we even talked about it during this episode, how mm-hmm. I told you that Abby OMG was pearling it. Pearling. Like, in the sense that mm. Pearl made it through because he's an attractive guy. And I'm not saying that to cast shade. I'm saying that because that's what RuPaul said on his podcast. Yeah. And I have <laughs> a huge pe- soft spot for Pearl. Yeah. Pearl's probably controversial this may sound in like in my top 10 queens ever or something come off it come off it pearl had a really special quality that i really enjoyed mute your mic hold on and like i'm gonna say out loud pearl's not the type of person that i would usually be attracted towards so it's not that fact i just thought she had a special quality um so yeah, Florence does have an important message in there. So let's think about like you the know win- what? winners of Drag Race. Has there ever been a person in Drag Race who has won who has not been of a conventionally attractive body type? Monet? Mon- Monet's like... Th- like, like, Come on, like, th- as the kids are saying nowadays, thick. She's not big thick and juicy. Mmm, smells just like watermelon. You and couldn't call Monet like smells like, like honey bars, watermelon, <laughs> and lemon juice. It smells like lime, flowers, and popcorn. <laughs> I was going to say you should eat it, but then I thought you shouldn't eat it. <laughs> um, Monet's like thick. She's not a big girl. But you're asking who's not conventionally skinny. Okay, okay, so I'm fair telling enough. You. Okay, so that's one in nearly 20. Uh, well, yeah, I guess so. Let's go through. Well, Jinx, but, well, Jinx now. <laughs> Jinx today. <laughs> oh, back off. Wap, she's she's pulling lots of weight and she accepts it. She admits it. She's, she's actually gorgeous she's, and curvy. But she's actually losing weight. I was listening to the podcast. As I do, people need to know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. A lot of the information I get from podcasts, I listen to Sibling Rivalry. I listen to... Plenty of PT, personal training. I listened to a lot of... And Jinx turned up on that PT yeah, podcast, didn't she? She was, yeah. actually on the, she was a guest on the PT show, <laughs> saying that she's on the way uh, to losing weight. So I'd say, no, you're right. I think a lot of the queens who have won have been um, slim. I mean, I could say Bob, but Bob was just normal. Well, Bob has since said, you know, she's looked back on how she was in Drag Race Season 8 and she's been like, I was really skinny then. I'm I'm more in my own, more comfortable body shape now. Um, And Jinx has said that as well, that she was kind of starving herself at that time. Yes, Mm. she did. Yes, she would starve herself, especially before a a shoot. Yeah, Um, which is unhealthy, obviously. And it's just a shame that the girls felt the need to do that in order to um, succeed in a competition like Drag Race. Obviously, that's incredibly toxic. I think even Alaska... Alaska, the look that she portrayed, if you look at the season five finale, 
I think I think her look was deliberately designed to draw attention towards unhealthy body image put forward by supermodels on the runway at that time and heroin chic and all that. And I think since then, Alaska's become a lot more comfortable with her body. The thing about Florence's rant is that he was an... He was on the other side saying that Sidajin is not pretty and not skinny. I think Sidajin's a really conventionally attractive man. <laughs> I think that's what I'm laughing at. Like he's trying to compliment, you know, he's trying to like say I'm a Sidajin stand, but then he at the same by the same token he's saying that Sidajin is not attractive mm. and Sidajin is not skinny. And then he wants to throw in Jimbo. So now Jimbo's not skinny either. Jimbo's, and Jimbo's also not a conventionally attractive guy. So like I They've think both got like daddy quality. What I Okay. <laughs> Apparently I'm into that. What was I saying when I was sleeping the other night? <laughs> What was that? Apparently I was moaning daddy in my sleep. This is a couple of months ago now, but yes, you were. And I was like, who's daddy? (laughs) Who's daddy? I think that's what he was saying. That's what I was saying, daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We laugh about it now. So I'm just just thinking like, first of all, first of all, Florence, who, who should listen to the podcast, we all feel these emotions mm-hmm. at its peak when we feel it. Put your phone down, walk away, because yes. I understand what you're trying to say, and it's right, but then you add it all in this kind of like micro-racism. Yes. And then you also add in fat shaming, and you kind of like, you're kind of like really putting down some other queens in there, and your message kind of gets lost in your anger. I completely agree with you there. I would say it discredits yeah. the validity of the, of the original mis- message. yep. yep. Yeah. But um, what I see is, you know, when I look at Jimbo versus some other girls in Drag Race Canada, Sedegine versus some other girls in Drag Race Holland, is that there was a camp, fabulous aesthetic that was not valued when like a more conventionally beautiful aesthetic was valued. Which does sadden me, to be honest, because that's not what I look for necessarily in a drag queen. Mm. Um, I want to be entertained. I want humor. I want stories told. And I want fabulous outfits that I'm not going to see on the high street. You know? That's true. That's what I look to for a drag queen. I'm sorry. That's it. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Now, there's the one more thing, thing I do want to bring up, and we mm. did watch that clip about Jackie Beats. Now, this is going to be hard for you because, Tom, I know that you really want to be as PC as you can, and you don't want to talk about too much that... Yes, that, personal computer, PC, personal yeah. computer, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be a Microsoft, okay? <laughs> now, what I want... <laughs> I need to take this soft off. I need you to go really hard into this one. Micro hard. <laughs> About Jackie Beats doing an interview with Sharon Needles. Oh, yes, I said it. Yes. Oh, my God. Sue me. Sharon Needles. Now, Sharon Needles is caught in a lot of controversy Mm. um, with a lot of kind of, was it child abuse claims? Let me kind of like pick up here with what what little I know about that situation. But also preface it by- Go on. Go on. Come on. Oh, God. That was off key. Oh, um, so here's the key because you can't see the fine one. <laughs> that was Coco Montrese. We're not going to go into it in any depth because there's there's a lack of information, and we know that there's actually a legal proceedings going on around it. So, um, a young fan of Sharon Needles, um, who, when you look it up, actually uh, was evident in her involvement with Sharon for a long time. Her name is Annecy Queen, and um, at the time of her involvement with Sharon Needle, she was young. And I believe actually now they actually identify as gender non-binary. 
um, so I should refer to them as they, um, they were young and they got involved with Sharon Needles and the drag scene, which, in my opinion, is actually inherently inappropriate from the outset because you're being exposed to a scene that is meant for adults. Having said that, um, that's not Annecy's responsibility. Annecy was a very young person at this stage, 14 or 15, a child, and they were dragged into that world. Um, there are allegations from Annecy that Sharon was physically and emotionally abusive, and they have made numerous allegations and given examples of this. And um, what Annecy has described is inherently deplorable, um, should never have happened and sounds like it's incredibly traumatic for this person. So we're going to not talk about that, really. Um, we're not going to talk about that because it's too complex. Yeah. It's not the focus of our show. That's true. So um, getting into it, what actually happened? With Annecy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is this is where we are. But what we do want to talk about is Sharon Needles and her legacy as a drag race winner. She was winner of season four. Um, she was remarkable at that time for being an alternative underground punky gothic queen yeah. and who took the crown. And she's in the four winners club. Yes. Um, she's, no she's noted to be an amazing performer, highly intelligent. I've seen her live. She's very anti-party city. She's um, <laughs> anti-party. She holds rallies for those. I've seen her live and she was fantastic, but connected so amazingly with the audience. Having said that, if what Annecy has said is true, and we're not going to doubt the victim in this case, it needs to play out in its own environment, then, then that's deplorable and should never have happened and is a very dark side to her character. But there are other aspects. So Sharon has been picked up a few times for having made racist or otherwise incredibly antagonistic comments. Let me put it all in a nutshell because you're just being so careful. You're, well, this is what I do. You're prep personified. <laughs> you're being so safe. Yeah. Look, she did some shit, okay? And she's going through the consequences now legally. So we're not going to even talk about that. What I do want to talk about is that Jackie B, a really, really good drag queen, a very yeah. well-known, one. I'd say one of the pioneers <laughs> Well, we know of, we of know Jackie kind of B drag. as being one half of Dirty Sanchez, or one third actually of Dirty Sanchez. She's been on Dracula. She's a pioneer and highly revered like drag royalty yeah, in the is. US. Really, now she did an interview with Sharon, and now she now the, now the reason I'm bringing that because we saw a video because Jaron B felt just oh, sorry Jackie B felt the need Sharon B Sharon B yeah. <laughs> um, J Jackie B uh, did an interview and she felt the need to defend her being allowed to talk to cancelled queen yes and that is so, what i wanted to discuss i don't want to talk yeah. about what sharon did i want to talk about the whole cool. fact that people aren't allowed to do what they want like you people cool. are now starting to police other people's yeah. creativity other people's um platforms and say with that, this topic yeah, yeah that's what i want to get about and i wanted to hear your thoughts on that i think Basically, it's cancel culture, isn't it? Basic. And we've we've voiced on numerous occasions that no matter how deplorable the acts of the person in question, cancellation leads to nothing. Yep. Cancelling somebody leads to a lack of conversation, a lack of understanding, and a lack of knowledge as to how any individual in this situation could have done something different, and how any of us could learn how to avoid that situation in future. Yeah. That's what I believe. Part of this is due to my work as a psychiatrist, really. 
I'm not going to make any bones about it. I work with people on a daily basis who have committed crimes that most people would consider deplorable and would want to dissociate themselves from that person. I'm in a position where I am required to understand, help and try and create a sense of progression and recovery with that person. No matter how deplorable the crimes they might commit, I have to remove myself from a sense of a personal bias. Okay. Of course, of course, I work with people that some of the things they have done, I find some of the acts, I'm going to say, not the person, the acts are deplorable, mm-hmm. abhorrent, and something that should never, ever be condoned. Okay. Um, but having said that, I'm working with a person that I have to work towards recovery. So the behavior is deplorable, but sometimes not the person. Yes. Basically, like when um, Hunt cheated on Christina Yang in Grey's Anatomy. Well, we all cried. We all cried. I was angry. I was so angry. I we are was, Christina Yang fans. We, we are, are Yang stands. stands. Yeah. Yang stands. Yang stands. Yeah, we Yang stands. Um, and I, so, I hope I hope our listeners understand that. So I hope be, I hope because, our listeners understand that because of the nature of your profession, do you, yeah. you must be very anti cancel culture. Because yeah. when you cancel someone, you silence them. Yeah. Actually, you and you're you don't want to hear about. It's not about healing. It's not about trying yeah. to uh, trying to help someone. It's it's about humiliating them. And it's it's about. There, there are lots of elements yeah, in that we've always. They, you don't, they don't evolve. Thing. They yeah. don't. They're not evolved. They don't get to be educated. They're just cancelled. They're just cut quiet. And neither, then therefore, neither, neither party gets a chance to evolve or grow from that terrible experience. So the we don't know how to help that person not commit that act again. And I have to. I have to believe in the power of redemption as a psychiatrist. I have to believe that there is at least a chance that anybody who's committed an abhorrent act can try, can try and not do that again. Otherwise, like everybody who does something bad just has to be locked up forever. And is, is that what we do as a society? Um, the other side of it is that the, the victim, the person who's personally affected by that, they need access to the right resources to heal from that. And for it not to happen again as well. Um, And other than that, the wider society needs to learn how to prevent these things from happening. So Sharon and Sherry are kind of analogous in this situation, I think. I think they're kind of in the same boat. So we need to understand why has this person done this thing? What is this person going to do to make reparations? How is the victim going to be helped by that? And how is it going to be prevented from happening again? And it needs it. That means conversation. It doesn't mean cancellation. Yes, it means you can't get there from cancelling someone. No, no. That's what I believe. If you're a young teen, if you're one of those woke brigade people listening, please take notes. I don't think our listeners are there. I I think we've had really positive feedback from our listeners. We've maintained this kind of attitude throughout season twelve. Was particularly relevant and poignant when it came to this because Sherry Pie was a shadow that hung over the whole season. We made a point of pointing out Sherry Pie is a talented performer, but the things she has done are bad. And we said that every episode because it's a fallacy. It's a fallacy to say that people who are talented performers can't do bad things. 
it's 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 a fact and we'd be kidding ourselves and we we'd be leaving ourselves vulnerable as a society if we say oh you know everybody who does amazing art is a really good person and they've done no wrongs in their it's life it's completely ever. inaccurate it's yeah. completely inaccurate yep. we need to accept that and talk about it so that so that these things do not happen in future so that people are not victimized yep. and made vulnerable in future yes traumatized um put up your hands if you've been personally victimized by regina regina george by paulo by spilling the gmt podcast (laughs) please put your hands up if uh, you've been victimized that's exactly how i feel i mean i have said it time and time again i would love to hear sherry pie's story i would i I would love to hear why and i would love to know what they are doing in terms of reparation absolutely i want to know how she's making sure this never happens again and what she's doing to make sure because that is more important to me than just cancelling them and not and just not really solving anything really completely agree progression there's nothing and that's not what you want from anyone yeah so as it stands, nobody knows. We've done numerous Google searches lately. Nobody knows what's going on with Sherry Pie. Nobody knows what her identity is now, what she's doing Him, her, now. They, it's hard to tell. Yep. There was some like vague allusion to her being at a Black Lives Matter march or something. Oh. I mean, it's conjecture. Like, how do we know that Sherry has not done what needs to be done to make reparations and, and stop this happening again. How do we know that Sherry's not I, adopted a new identity and is doing it again? You know? You, uh, yep. Alison Mossy rides again. Um, it's, it's an illustration of the complete, what I would call, um, I don't know what the word is actually, just, I just think cancel culture is bogus. It does nothing. Okay. You heard it here first. It's an expression of people's rage and frustration. I accept that. And it's a really, really simple way of directing it, but it's not a productive way of directing it. Mm. So, um, so there. There we go, really. There, have that. Yeah. Eat it. <laughs> I don't know. Have, have I said anything controversial now? Do you think? Yes, Tom. You are controversial. Oh, my God. I'm going to get cancelled next. Okay. Oh. Gonna be, we're going to be the next Chiquionte video. Oh, blooming neck. All right. Look, I have finished my double, double Red Bull vodka. Double. I have finished my glass of white wine. Yeah. And I I've just, still got a bit left. And you still got a lot left. So, um, oh, I've been trying to keep a clear head. No, not when you've just been talking too much. <laughs> So that's that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, anyway, that's it. I think that was that's enough for us to discuss today. Join us next time when we talk about more for our gin and topics. Uh, mm. today's today we actually really, really flew. I thought we did pretty well. I think we talked about some heavy Some stuff. heavy stuff. If you guys yes. want to hear more, let us know. But uh, we'll just keep on gin and topicking about whatever comes across our mind. Because we've really. yet to hear an announcement about Drag Race season thirteen. We know that Drag Race UK is coming sometime in twenty twenty one. Which only really a month away now. Oh. Apparently, they got, they're starting to cast for season three UK. I Good. read somewhere. Good. Yeah. The thing is, we know there's three filmed seasons of Drag Race in the pipeline. Like, guys, come on, we need it now. Come we on. don't. We don't like. We need a rest. Like they. No. They've been full on. They've been going. They, they I don't really need, have. I don't need a rest. It's my sustenance. <laughs> well, I. 
I need it. I need it for a reason. Keep okay. going. <laughs> Look, let's go. But thank you for joining us. Join us next week on Spilling the Gene Tea podcast. This is Paolo. And Dr. Tom. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Lots of love, guys. See you soon.